GovCon Secrets Podcast, we take a deep dive into the government contracting space, where you'll hear from a variety of expert guests on strategy, pricing, benefits, business tactics, and all this to save you a ton of money, time, energy, and effort. I'm your host, Jim Campbell, former Marine and CEO of Axum Fringe Solutions Group. My goal is to redefine the benefits world with a brutally honest view of how benefits, compliance, finance, and overall contracting strategy mixed with my years of experience and expertise can benefit you to deploy strategies to help your GovCon grow and win in the future, all the while without boring you to death. We're going to have fun. Let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Uh, This is the GovCon Secrets Podcast, and this is our first episode. We're going to kick it off with uh, something about benefits in GovCon, often talked about, very infrequently delivered on. And uh, today we have a special guest, Pat Moore. Uh, Pat is a mini LinkedIn sensation. Uh, you know, he's got the GovCon thing going now with us, but he's also got the benefits background, Marine Corps veteran, um, actually still in the Marine Corps. And uh, today, Pat, we're going to talk about the benefits world as it is, past, present, and future, and then kind of the tilt that we have in uh, GovCon. So uh, welcome, brother. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Jim. This is going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited to see your face all over the world more often, too, because of this podcast. You're the only one to ever say that, ever, in the history of the world. (laughs) I just want to see the headphones on your face. That's really it. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So here we go. We're getting into it. As everybody can tell, this is going to be pretty light, but we're going to get serious here. So uh, let's do a little intro, man. Give a little bit of background about yourself, the benefits world, how you got into it, where you found yourself, and then why you decided to join Axum. Yeah, so um, completely by mistake, just like damn near everybody that gets in this industry. I joined, quite frankly, because uh, I came back from Iraq, a deployment to Iraq, and the world ended. Uh, The world ended in 2008, and there were absolutely no job opportunities. And so I decided to get an MBA. I literally got an MBA because the world was over. But yeah, did that. And then while I was while I was getting my, my, my master's, I had a, a specialty in finance, an emphasis in finance. Um, I had a personal finance background. I used to have, you know, series six and 63, life and health, all those things. When I grew up, I thought I was going to, you know, teach people how to invest in the stock market. But um, anyways, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare passed while I was getting my MBA and so that led to my background in the insurance world and in personal finance in general. And I was recruited by uh, Hewitt Associates out of Lincolnshire, Illinois, to work in their large arm consulting arm. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny. You know, we often talk about like you got to drive in the Cadillacs while I was pushing the Yugo down the street from the other side of the benefits world. So, you know, that picks you up and you're on the large side of things. You're consulting, you're moving and grooving with a couple thousand life groups. Tell me where you saw the industry going and kind of like, you know, what kind of your philosophy was and change. Yeah, I mean, to start off with it, like I said, I I got that job. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, You know, I was put on I was I was the junior analyst on the team. And, you know, some of these employers are household names that people know. um, But I would get put on negotiating their HMO renewals. And these HMO renewals are kind of their their throwaway groups. But. Often they had 1,000, 1,500 employees in a Kaiser HMO in California. And it was like, hey, new guy, go take care of that because I definitely don't have time to deal with it, right? And so literally 1,500 life groups that were throwaways. Um, (laughs) Happens all the time. Happens every day. Everybody has that problem. 
Yeah, and literally the, the consultants and project managers on the cases didn't didn't want to touch those things with a 10-foot pole. They wanted someone else to manage them. Fortunately for me, the guy that handled all those negotiations inside the office was, you know, a couple doors down from me at the office. And so I saw that as an opportunity to sit down with him. And I, I didn't just hand him stuff to do. I, I negotiated every single renewal with him and really learned a ton about underwriting when I went through that that situation. And, um, that's, that's kind of how I got, got started. And then as I've, as I've grown, I took that opportunity and, you know, kind of put the Harvard on the chest and, and left corporate America. Cause that's not, that's not where Marines fit in. As I, I think you understand corporate America was, was pretty much a drag <laughs> HR nightmare, man, HR, HR nightmare. 100%. <laughs> so yeah, I did that. And I went in a, a completely different world, which was, the mid and small group market. And when I joined that really opened my eyes. It was like the first time I'm like literally every small business in this country, when they get a renewal, they get zero information. When I was at Hewitt, when I was at Aon Hewitt, you got all the information. Like Mm -hmm. we got so much data. I just, I assumed that's just how it was. I literally had the guy that was dealing with the the national discount uh, database for Aon sitting you know, a couple rolls over from from me. And so if I had a question about a specific market, I'd just go over and ask them which market had the best discount. It was that simple. We had all the information in the world to us, even our HMOs. Like we even got data on the HMOs. So different world completely, obviously, when you get a three, the reduction in data is is drastic, even worse when you're getting fully insured renewals under 100 100 lives and you're literally given nothing to make decisions on. That's right. So I, I, you know, I got to see the whole gamut. I, I realized that the little guys don't get treated like the big guys. Even their level of support at the carriers are completely different. The things yep. they talk about from a national perspective are not the things that, you know, most of the small group representatives at the major carriers are talking about. And yeah, I just I saw a huge opportunity to make a difference in that in, in the small and mid market industry. Yeah, it's so funny too because we always joke about like you know I always say. I learned this business from like slugging away four person BORs and 20 person BORs. And then you get to like the hundred and then the 500 and then you work your way up over time and you, you literally build your backbone off of that. No data, that no transparency. And you've heard me say it on like LinkedIn posts and stuff like that. There's an impact to that, right? There's an impact to the end end user, not only to the company, because they're getting turned around 10, 15, 20, 30% increases, but then, what about that employee that never used the plan and they're told, by the way, we're taking another 20% for your check, you know, or whatever it is. Right. And the plans usually suck by and large because the costs keep going up. The employers are stuck. So, um, yeah, it's funny. You came from like the Cadillac. I came from the Yugo. Uh, somehow we met in the middle. Right. But, um, you know, so now that brings us to the present and you're in this world, you see, the world's changing, right? Every broker out there now is a, and you love hearing me say this, but non-status quo broker, right? And everybody's doing this and doing that. But by and large, they're still turning around the same results to these clients. So you're here now, um, you're at present day. And what do you see is different about where you sit from your experience? Yeah, no, at the end of the day, it's complicated, right? You know, a lot of the people that started in my world have stayed in my world, and it's it's a pretty cush job. 
um, it's, a, it's a nice place to be. There's a lot of money being paid out and the, the need to change isn't necessarily there. And then when you have guys that are starting in the, in the place that you started out, Jim, man, you don't get any data. So therefore it's hard to really learn how to use it. Right. It's really right. hard to know what to do. There's so many things going on. The small independent guy, you know, they're trying to run a business. They're trying to run sales. They're trying to market. Like it, it's hard to then become also a healthcare expert. So it, it's, it's a tough place to be. I think, I think a lot of guys have the right heart in place, but they're told, they're told wrong things all the time and they don't necessarily know how to, how to check them. And the carrier's still on the market, right? Like, I mean, there's that still that data. There's still that gap. There's still the um, being open and transparent. Although we're seeing that change, right? We're seeing a lot of carriers get really efficient with how they're reporting PVM. They're saying all the right things. Now we just need to see that data kind of wash downhill to everybody because it's there. That's a good point that you bring up. The carriers are changing. And quite frankly, that's the perspective I take every day is that we start off losing every day. We are losing because it's, you know, there's no, there's no joking in this industry. There's no jokes aside. This is, this is definitely a war. It is something that, you know, someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. And, you know, United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield, all of the major carriers have a lot more money than, than the independent folk. And so you need to be, you need to be ready to go to war. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, that kind of transitions to, we meet up, we have a talk, right? And, and they say, hey, we only focus on GovCon, right? And here's what we're doing and building out this platform of true care. What made you realize that Axum was going to be a good ship to jump on and push forward? A um, couple of things, my friend. One, yourself in general. I'm going to tell you that off the bat. Um, I realized that you're a smart <laughs> cat. And uh, when you find smart cats in this world that have integrity and principles, you, you, you align yourself with them. So that was a huge reason. But then the government contracting world specifically is it's a niche. And quite frankly, if you can find a niche and dominate a certain niche, um, I, f- I fully believe in, in dominating an industry, not just trying to kind of take a sliver of it. You open the opportunity and it happens to be a niche that's pretty damn big. It's a huge market. That's a that's a niche on top of it. And then when I saw the resources that you had put together and the data analytics behind it, it was a no brainer because this whole game is data analytics. And so if you start behind the eight ball, it's going to be real hard to catch up to the big guys. But where you're at is you're ahead of the big guys. And that that excited me. Yeah, I think like one thing that I learned to be in this game was that like the big companies don't miss for a reason. They got huge over time because they don't miss, and it's because of the data they have, right? So you think of like a Lockheed or a Northrop, their whole divisions have more data than the rest of the market probably combined. Um, and, and I'm being you know hypothetical there, but uh, they have a ton, and that's why they don't miss. That's why they constantly get the massive contracts. So what your idea was like, how do we take that in the benefits world, apply it to a government contractor that's never seen any transparency in their data, don't know how to build the health plan the right way. And then give it back to them and their broker and say, this is how you win, right? This is how you get to that next level. Um, because again, we everybody says it, but it's a fact. You know, benefits is second largest line item on your PL, right? And and it's it's not a question. It is a fact. And the fact that the uh, costs haven't gone down, and I think what they said, like 30 years, it's gone up every single year. And now the cost per employee is like triple what it was. 
15 years ago or something crazy. That's our lifetime, right? That's since we've been doing this. That's atrocious, you know? And, and uh, I think one of the big paradigms is like, obviously we'll talk about it a little bit, but the CAA and the NSA come out. Transparency is going to be key. And a lot of the folks that have been doing well in life by turning around those big increases, that's going to go away, right? And, and we have to be the bearer of bad news for our partners from the broker side. But on the client side, we're like, hey, we've been carrying this torch for however long, right? We've been, we've been saying that you should have transparency to data and you should be able to see it. And it's only going to help you and your employees. So, you know, with that, you know, we'll talk a little bit kind of brokerage, right? Like where we're at from the past 20 years. Let's say if we go back 20 years to where we're at now and take a snapshot in like five-year increments, have you seen massive changes? Have you seen slight changes? And what do you see then the next 20 years looking like? Yeah, I mean, I've seen massive changes and I think we're going to continue to see massive changes um, in the same way that we saw, you know, stockbrokers in the eighties transition into financial advisors. I think, I think it's the same way our industry has to, has to go. The difference is, is financial advisors still has the New York stock exchange in order to regulate what everything costs. And we know that gets manipulated anyways, but mm-hmm. like healthcare is even, it's, it, we don't have that. There is no regulation of what things cost. It's literally the wild, wild west. And there's so much opportunity to do better. And <clears throat> what you talked about with the CAA, it mandates it. So uh, the mandating of doing good and then requiring employers to be the person to regulate the doing of good, it's something people aren't talking about. It blew me away that you already took the fiduciary role because of the trust set up and, and how you do business in the GovCon space. It put you light years ahead of where most people are talking about in this space. And so when we could have a conversation around the No Surprises Act, fiduciary responsibility, and then talk about Afghanistan and Iraq and just, and just different things that, that unite us, you know, it was pretty awesome to be able to, to, to match those two worlds together. Yeah, man. And, you know, I think the funny thing is when you said not enough people are talking about it, it's a fact. I mean, like we, we don't have to mix it. I mean, people are listening to this, hopefully, because we're telling the truth and we shoot people straight. How many brokers as a percentage do you think actually understand the CAA and MSA as it pertains to their direct involvement with their clients? Five percent. I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, it's every time that we bring it up, especially through our partners that we have and are built into our stack and everything, they're seeing it more than we are. And it's astounding. Right. And then all of a sudden July hits and now all these clients are going to get all these notices that are going to flood from the carriers about transparency, about fiduciary requirement. What do you see as being the biggest onset of um, change since come July 1? Uh, lawyers, my friend, I really think there's a lot of lawyers are going to make a lot of money. And I think if both of us were better people, um, we would drop this industry completely and just start suing people because you can make a ton of money. I I tell you, man, it's, it's coming. There's no, there's no two ways this answer about it, but we've seen so much consolidation in our market, right? And we have guys and gals, just like you and I built a business. We've worked hard. We've got these clients. They trust us, yada, yada, yada. Then it comes out that they get bought. Private equity group comes in, big national name comes in, consolidates them, rolls them up. I always thought that that was because 
you know, premium conglomeration, right? And like all of a sudden we have a bigger number, bonuses are higher. Hey, we're just going to pilfer these books. We're going to rip them out and get more PNC and get retirement because we can't keep riding the gravy train for benefits much longer. That time's here, right? And a lot of folks that we know have been bought up. They've been rolled up. And I've said for a long time, just because somebody got bought and now they can say they have a big name behind them with billions of dollars, doesn't necessarily mean you're getting anything better, right? And, and again, I'm going to get a lot of backlash for this. People are going to come out and be like, dude, you're killing me. I'm not naming any names, but I'm just saying at the end of the day, everybody's got to face this thing. And if you've been making money and not disclosing it, your boss, your new private equity group, and your client's going to figure it out really damn quick. Uh, how do you think well, that's going to impact the market? Well, your producers that work for you, because you haven't been paying those commissions, and now they got to tell their clients that they've been making more than they know. That's a good point. Yeah. They don't know. Their producers don't even know that they've been making more money on their clients. And now their producers are the one that's going to have to tell them. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And these consortiums, right? Everybody pulled money together and the data on the risk retention essentially wasn't made. Everybody's getting money back and their plan may be a captive or something like that, but talk about profit, right? And and how much was rolled back actually to the client? Was it fully disclosed? Though I think the industry is rife, right? I mean, we've been waiting for this for a long time. I think it's something that should have happened 15 years ago at minimum. Because, like you said, people don't know how much money, abuse, waste, and fraud are in this business. But as it pertains to our clients in the GovCon space, they don't have the ability to automatically change their pricing to the government. Right? They need to keep these employees. They need to meet a certain requirement of headcount on these contracts to deliver. And you get a 30% increase and you don't have an answer why. And every other carrier is giving you that same number damn near close. How do you keep up? Well, now they're going to be looking at this and saying, wait a second, Whoa, you, you got paid how much? Because you showed me a spreadsheet and everybody else could have shown me that same spreadsheet. We have to have a talk, right? So do you think after all this mass consolidation and bringing it back around, there's going to be a day of reckoning? Yes. So yes or no is the answer. Like there either is or there's not. Like we're going to win or we're going to lose. Going back to, back to the statement I've, I, I, I kind of started with, I think it's, it's crazy. So like today, for example, my wife went to the, uh, went to Walgreens to fill a prescription. She takes a generic form of Cymbalta. She went to do it. Deers screwed up an enrollment. And so she, it showed that my TRICARE is turned off. That's another annoying comment. <laughs> it took him uh, started. It just it highlighted everything, and I was like, "Holy crap! I got to talk about this because this happened maybe two hours ago." Because I got a bad call from my wife, but um, uh, she went to fill it, and they obviously said, "Well, your insurance isn't working. There's something wrong with the eligibility. Tell me about it." And she normally pays like a three dollar copay or something stupid. Like she doesn't even think about it. It's almost like the idea that the the guy that is the tax preparer never does his own taxes. Anyways, I've never told my wife about this stuff because she doesn't care. But the pharmacist at Walgreens was telling her like if she paid $35 a month, she could be part of one of their programs and get this generic form of Cymbalta for $135 instead of $500 because they showed her the cost was $500 without insurance. And I was like, that's funny. 
And so I immediately, and this is not high tech at all, showed her what we could go buy it at Costco for without insurance. It was $7.35. Yep. And every single day, the United States military is paying full load. I was paying $3, but every day they pay full load for the cost of that drug. And it's, you know, it's not $7 if you can get it at Costco. You can know we could probably get it for two or three bucks through one of our, right. our programs for our, for our vendors. But it, it's crazy. Like, it's absolutely crazy. And so I think us as an industry as a whole need to talk about those micro examples of how this industry is nuts because that's stuff people can understand. Um, they can't understand the big words that we use because it's really, really boring. It, they can't quantify it. it. It takes 10 years to learn before any of the things that we say make sense. But very simply, 500 bucks is what it was going to cost. I was offered a deal at 135. I could buy it at Costco for seven bucks. Nuts. Nowhere in the world could, does goods and services cost that different in a different place. It's a, it's a, it's a damn shame. It's, it's, it's shame. crazy to me. The fact that people don't know this and they don't think, but I honestly also believe this is the way that we've been educated over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And now that we have like Netflix and everything's at the push of a button and we can get food delivered to our house and never have to leave our couches. I think people have become complacent and they don't realize the money they're spending, but more importantly, they don't care about the money their employer plan is spending. Right. As long as you give it to me and I can use it, I care about what's about right for me. But then that increase comes the next year and the employees are, you know, shaking their fist and right. Oh my God, you guys screwed me. This company sucks, right? Nobody's taking personal agency or accountability for their work or their decisions where you just proved it 500, 135 down to 735. And if more people did that on a consistent basis, the, the trillions of dollars that are spent in healthcare in this country would go down massively. Right. And then we attack the fraud, waste and abuse from the people that might not be up and up on the compensation piece. There's more hundreds of billions. Right. And we start to look down the whole tree here. I don't think America's in a bad spot with healthcare. I think we're in a horrible spot with healthcare across the board. But when you're at the bottom, you can always get better. And I think people have to be willing to want to get better. And I think, again, focusing on GovCon. Right. That's what Axum does. Yep. We can do that now. We can do that. We can make sure, hey, I can't fix the world's problems and I can't fix the country's problems in whole. But I understand what it means to be a hardworking American. I understand how many of these people rely on their benefits to be good. And the employers want to give the best benefits. It comes down to that transparency then and showing people how to be better, faster, smarter. Yep, And that's powerful. I think a lot of people in our industry generally come from decent backgrounds, right? Like these, these dollars and cents that we talk about aren't necessarily real to them. I mean, I'm, I'm a dude that didn't have health insurance until I joined the United States Marine Corps. So my family grew up without it. I, I never had it. If something happened, it would probably, probably would have bankrupted us. Fortunately, we never went through that situation. But as I'm advising, as I'm looking at every one of these situations, I see it as like a poor kid just trying to make sure other people get a good deal. Um, and I think it, if you keep it in that type of uh, perspective, it's just the best way to live because, you know, could I have afforded if my wife wasted a hundred dollars on that drug today? Yep. I could have, I definitely could have. A lot of people can't, a lot of people can't. 100%, especially our, our clientele. 
right? And that's where I get really, I don't know if passionate's the word, but I get I get more upset than anything. I think that's a natural go-to. <laughs> it's a natural go-to. But, uh, I, you know, I, I look at this transactional model, right? And it's, again, the ugly side where I kind of grew up and it hasn't really changed. The dollars have gotten bigger. And that transactional model is affecting the bottom line employee. It affects the employers, obviously. They can't change the pricing. But then the employee, they don't have any more money to pick up that $100 difference or whatever it is. That's an insult. That's an insult to the people that we look at every day. They're our neighbors, they're our friends, they're coworkers, they're guys and gals you and I put boots in the mud with. You know what I mean? This is this is something that's important. So, you know, as, as I look at this, then I say, where does it stop? And who's making all the money? And man, I I know we just kind of picked on the brokers a lot, and I'm getting a lot of pushback for this. And we look at the carriers and we understand all the money they're making on Wall Street. Where do you see this getting better when we have these new laws hitting July 1st? I really hope it gets better in the prescription drug world, man. Um, I really hope the hospital and pharmaceutical industry is where it, where it gets hit. Because, I mean, we, we give brokers and we give insurance companies bad names. Um, you know, they, they cost a lot because those underlying services cost so much, right? And if people understood what what most hospital systems around the country make and the type of gouging that they do, they would be disgusted. But, you know, they wear a hosp- they, they wear a doctor's robe, the white coat, so to speak, and they trust them. And I, I really think people need to stop trusting those institutions a whole heck of a lot more um, and realize that they're businesses too. They're businesses out to make money and they've had a, a competitive advantage for a long time because, One, you're taught to trust doctors. Two, you've never seen a price. All of that's changing. Yeah, I mean, how crazy is that, right? Like, in what other industry, in what other service can you go get something, not know what you're paying, right, for it? You walk out of the store, and then you get an adjusted price half the time. Where where does that exist? Like, I always joke around, if I went and bought a pair of jeans, and there was no crotch or back end in them, and I walked out and put them on, and then somebody sent me a bill for five times what I thought I was spending. I mean, I like to party, man, but that's a ripoff, and I don't want those jeans anymore. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean that healthcare does that every single day, and then it's who knows what your who knows what the billed versus paid charges are, and I think that kind of leads into benefits of the future, right? And we have a lot of smart people in the benefits industry. Let me take this. Another way around, we have a lot of smart people trying to do the right thing. I believe a lot of the people at the carriers see this transition coming. They're trying to get ahead of this and do the right thing. Um, So let's talk about some of the people that we know. So some of the people that we respect in the industry, people out there trying to do the right thing. We see a lot of people talk about self-funding. We see a lot of people talk about this consortiums, that captive. Um, What are some of the things that you think will be beneficial. Let's talk about GovCon specifically, all GovCons. Um, talk about what you think is going to work best and how we can help people get there. Well, I mean, you, you said the word self-funding, um, shared risk, all those different things are going to matter. Um, you know, I've, I've said this before, but, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk changed the world with marketing. We used to only get marketing dollars from big companies. 
when they advertised on TV. Uh, you know, they'd advertise on ABC or NBC and put a put a commercial on TV. And his his take was very simply: stop putting commercials on TV. You're wasting your money. Um, I see that the same exact way in the healthcare space. If you continue to put money with the big carriers, you're going to lose. You don't ever get the option of winning. And so self-insurance is the place that you have to do it in. Um, but that means a thousand different things. And it's a very noisy, noisy market in that world. And quite frankly, a lot of the people in, in that space make more money than the carriers off of you. So uh, when you're choosing the partner to, to, to work in that space, you need to choose the partner that is 100% transparent and shows you where everything is at and aligns with your, your interest. And so what, what we've done with TrueCare and, and Axum is, is exactly that. We have built a self-insured healthcare program that is built for the membership. First and foremost, it's not built for us. It's built to take care of the membership. It's built to be transparent. And when the plan performs, they win. When the plan performs, we win. And it's, it's, it's built in a way that makes complete sense. And so the fact that it's offered just for the GovCon industry, uniquely combined with the, the data analytics that we have to support the claim history, it's a powerful combination, man. It's, 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 really, it's really exciting to talk about. I think it's going to be the thing that helps your entire government contracting community for, for many years to come. So, you know, we talk about self-funding and, and shared risk, but we also know that not every client can do that, right? So there's still a position for the carriers. They still have a lot of ability. Um, I think the underwriting is going to change a little bit for small groups with the carriers. I, I see that maybe uh, they're going to cut brokers out on the small platform so they can start freeing up dollars, marketing dollars, compensation dollars and everything and giving them back to the membership. I think that would be probably the next best move um, if you had to have fully insured. And I still think there's a place for it, right? I still think that there's a place for fully insured. Obviously, the carriers aren't going away. You know, and then, but we look at things like interactive care, payment, interactive payments, direct primary care, you know, kind of talk about like the future of what we see and what, what, what you see as being the potential, the best potential for companies kind of graduating through this level funded, cost sharing, self-funded trajectory. Yeah, no, I think it gets a lot more personalized. I just think like the way the internet has made all of the industries personalized, I think healthcare is going to become more personalized, which is a, which is a good thing. Direct primary care, the probably the only reason it hasn't taken off more than it has is the implementation of it. Mm -hmm. um, and with, with more and more access to digital um, and more and more access to independent money, I think it's going to explode. And, I, and no one likes going to a traditional doctor appointment. You know, you go in for a regular checkup, you set an appointment for two o'clock in the afternoon. You get there a few minutes prior. It ends up being 20 minutes late before you see someone that someone's not your doctor. You're going to talk with like his assistant. They're going to check your blood and they're going to check your blood pressure and ask how you've been for the past, you know, six months. And you're going to say, okay, I'm fine. But you're not going to see that doctor for another 15 minutes on top of that. And then you'll see him for five minutes and then you won't see him again forever. So no one likes the system that we have. It wasn't made with a consumer in mind. And I think that's the big thing. I think healthcare is going to be um, more consumer centric 
going forward. And I think the advisors and, and the companies that build their plans around that type of, that type of convenience are going to be winners. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think the providers will be more engaged because doctors don't want that, that interaction either. Doctors join medicine. It's the practice of medicine. They have to continually practice at it. They have to understand the patient to do that. They don't want to see 300 people a day, right? Like they don't, whatever it is, whatever their number is just to get, you know, a bill into a carrier and wait 60 days to get paid or, you know, whatever. And they have these crazy overhead and staff. Um, I completely agree with you that the market will get more personalized, especially we see with telehealth just because of the pandemic. I mean, how many people were able to get to a doctor when they really needed to see someone and they could do it at the push of a button, right? It was on schedule, it was on time. I personally went through um, a doctor's visit and a follow-up and scheduled a procedure not more than 10 months ago. And it was flawless. The doctor was like, hey, if you're going to come in, mask up, you know, we're going to get this procedure done, you know, but before that, we'll do everything online. And I've met this person before and I've worked with them in the past and it didn't work out that way when I was in their office. Like you said, I was sitting there twiddling my thumbs and then all of a sudden now internet happens. Doc was on time and I even joked with him about it. I was like, Doc, hey, look at you on time. And he started laughing. He goes, it's a lot easier this way. So, but again, I think their patient load was able to go down. They were able to spend the proper amount of time. And I think that continues. And especially in this new care model, it's important. No, absolutely. I mean, the other, the other thing, so something to, to mention as far as Axum goes, like, I think it's a huge opportunity. And one of the reasons I was excited to, to come aboard and, and help you run this, run this ship, right, is I think there's a huge opportunity for the independent advisors out there that want to do the right thing in partnering with us. There's a lot of noise in our industry. It's really hard to get new clients as the little guy. What you have done at Axum is you've created a moat around GovCon and GovCon benefits specifically. And anybody who wants to latch onto that ride can win. I think most people in the Health Rosetta community don't realize that Axum is Health Rosetta for GovCon. Like it, it is the only player. If you're not working with us, you're probably working with someone that's dishonest. And it's a, it's a huge opportunity because it, while it is a niche, it is also, uh, you know, a billion dollar opportunity. Oh yeah. Multi-billions. I mean, at the end of the day, the analytics show that in our space, whether you take SCA, DBA, all the various add-ons together, and then IT, you know, there's $184 billion paid to premium just in the small side, not, and I'm talking about you know, if, if you're looking at the jumbos, obviously that's a bigger number, but all the way down, this is small, medium market, $184 billion of premium. That's, that's a crazy amount. And what I've always said was, if you win, we'll win a little bit. But the goal is win, 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 right? And, and I, I steal this from you all the time, you know, give, 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 take, right? Or ask. And what I've realized is, We've been constantly giving to the market, you know, whether it's the client, the broker, whomever, the compliance side of things. Now it's our chance to truly give, right? And, and say, hey, here, here's this opportunity for you. We're going to make sure that you don't get hurt. We're going to underwrite it. We're going to make sure that you don't get hurt. We're going to make sure that your employees get better quality care, better access, better costs. 
across the continuum. And oh, by the way, we're going to make sure that the next year, even if you blow up, you're protected by the whole. That's what insurance should be for, right? And that's where I look at the GovCon market as saying, I can, I can do that here, right? We can do that together here, collectively, all of us. And then we can bring in these people that are good players, good partners. They want to bring in their own advisor, whomever. That's why I said, hey, we'll make this open to everybody. You just have to be fully on board, fully transparent. You got to be willing to open the kimono for your compensation and uh, do the right thing for the end, end client and employee. So I, I think, you know, um, what we're showing the market is, is pretty special. Um, I, we can always make it better. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and that'll take time. But, um, you know, as we're looking at this and we're wrapping things up, benefits for GovCons as it pertains to recruitment and retention in the world of inflation, the post-COVID world, right? Quick thoughts, you're right? We're, we're, not, we're not changing the inflation curve anytime soon, and it's staggering right now. But we just got out of really much lockdown and, and you know, we're post-pandemic. What do you see as the value of benefits for, you know, recruitment, retention, growth, all these things? It's a huge value. It can be a huge differentiator. I mean, this this industry that we're in, that is health insurance, health insurance and benefits, is is you know no one likes it. If you can be the employer that provides a plan that makes sense, it's a huge huge advantage to you. And so, in GovCon specifically, since I've been aboard and got to see these conversations, I mean, everyone in benefits always wants a seat at the table with the CFO, with the C suite, with the decision makers of the company because they see how HR gets treated in these conversations. They want to make more of a difference in GovCon. That's who you get to talk to because the management of the fringe spend, it's what determines whether or not these companies are profitable or not. And I just, I've been able to see it time in and time out. And so we get to have a unique conversation with guys that they know if they don't manage their health, healthcare costs that they, that, that might turn their entire company unprofitable if they do the wrong thing. And so we have a seat at that table and it's, it's probably the most important thing that they should look at going forward. Cause guess what? Inflation hits America. The gas prices suck. Healthcare trend has historically been two to four times what the consumer price index is in general. Yep. So you've seen what the gas prices are doing America. Guess what? The hospital system is going to raise their prices too. And the insurance companies aren't just going to eat those expenses. Your insurance is going up, and unless you start being very, very proactive, it's taken your 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 wage increase over the past thirty years. It's about to uh, take you into negative territory. Hundred percent. Well, man, I you know I look at this. Uh, I'm psyched for the future. So glad that you're our first guest. I'm glad that you're on with the company. Um, you know, we're gonna have some fun with this thing. We're gonna share a lot of secrets with the GovCon community. Um, any parting shots for you? No, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I'm enjoying the hell out of the organization. you got a, a great group of people working with you. And really, I'm excited for the world to hear more about what you're doing in the government contracting space. I've, I've gotten lucky to kind of see the inside scoop here over the past few months. And uh, I, think, I think people are going to like what they see. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Um, as with every show, I like to leave with a checklist, right? And this little checklist we came up with um, kind of helps you devise the best strategy for building benefits in GovCon. You can you can choose to agree with me or not, Pat, here, but um, it's a simple yes or no. Um, the way I like to read it, um, if you can answer 
yes, to more than seven of these, you're doing a great job, right? That's the way I look at it. So we'll start with number one. Have you discussed how benefits are different for a GovCon with your broker? I think, as you've seen, a lot of people haven't. Number two, do you measure your performance each year? The performance of your plan, that is. Do you understand the, the statistics as it pertains to utilization versus the dollars you paid in? Three, do you have transparent comp with your broker? Do you know how much you're paying for the relationship that you have with your current broker? Is it that valuable to you? Number four, do you receive multiple options each year? That would be options not only from carriers, but benefit build. Number five is kind of like 4A and 4B actually. Do you receive multiple funding options? Do you understand the difference between level funded and self-funded? and the real impact to your business. Now is in real number five. Do you understand if there are compliance obligations for your plans? Well, I'm letting everybody know right now, there's going to be every single year. You're a fiduciary of your plan, and you have to understand what that means. Number six, does your broker have incentives aligned with metrics you want to achieve? Meaning, have you built their compensation around your goals? Number seven, Sorry, number eight, do your plans cover the full spectrum of employees' needs within your company? Now, this is everything from mental health to uh, doctor's visits, hospitalizations, anything like that. Do, do your plans cover comprehensive care for the entire organization? And if you don't know that, have you checked? Number nine, have your financial and protection goals been met year over year? And what I mean by that is, have you, did you have a budget and did you hit those budgets where your goals met as far as the care given and the quality of care given to your employees year over year? Number 10, are you often wondering what your costs will be and worried about what you will do year over year? We find from every CFO that we talk to, it's the number one thing that's keeping them awake and how they can manage their fringes, build better benefits and absorb costs year over year. So. If you can say that you effectively can answer positively to those 10 questions, I feel that you're doing a very good job at managing your fringe costs and your benefits. But um, hopefully everybody answers eight or plus. And if not, they should reach out to us over at Axum. We're happy to help. Pat, thanks again, brother. Really appreciate having on. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Thanks, brother. Good luck on the show, man.